Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the word. Well, good morning, everybody, officially. Earlier, I couldn't see you because my glasses were so dark because they're transition lenses. So I had to take them off. And because of that, I, was, I could maybe see my toes and just a bunch of blurry kind of bright lights. It was kind of frightening for a minute there, but I was okay. Um, I just want to say hi. If you're listening online, I'm so grateful that you're online, and I just want to say welcome to Life Source Church. Um, my name's Jeff. I'm one of the pastoral interns. Uh, Walt introduced me already, so I don't have to go into any detail more about that, other than to just say that this passage that I'm going to be sharing from, this series has probably been the most defining uh, truth from as far as my Christian experience in the seven years of my life, um, and so I'm pretty honored to be able to share what I'm sharing with you today, and I'm pretty excited about it. Actually, just for the point of, of, um, of just history, Romans 6 is actually what God used uh, to bring me to salvation. It was in the midst of reading Romans 6 that, and understanding that God, through Christ, has provided the opportunity for me to be freed from the penalty of sin and freed from the power of sin, that it was through my coming to faith in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection, that I was actually united with his death and resurrection and that I needed to be united with him in his death and in his resurrection. It was in that moment that I, for the first time, got that and I responded in faith and I identified myself with Christ in his death and resurrection and I asked him to save me. And it was in that moment, it was in the midst of, of a pretty tough moment for me. I was struggling with some, some, some specific sin that I just, for the life of me, could not get rid of. I thought that if I just continued to try and try and try, that God would bless me as I tried. That he would, the more I tried, the harder I worked, God would free me. And when I fell to those sins over and over and over again, I started to get angry with God, and I started to yell at God and tell him, listen, God, I thought, I thought that if I tried hard enough, you would bless me and you would set me free. Um, um, how, how, how is this working? So I started, I started getting angry with him, and it wasn't until I got, got to Romans 6 and I understood that, no, 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 it starts with you being identified with Christ and his death. See, because you can't, you can't work off your sin. You can't get out of your sin. When I was united with Christ and his death, I was freed from the penalty, and it comes through being united with his death and resurrection that I'm freed from the power of sin. And then you know what? That was huge for me. And... And, and it was, it was probably, probably a couple months. months. I kept kind of struggling with that sin just here and there. And we're going to get more into how you're going to deal with that in a little bit. But eventually that struggle with that temptation subsided. And it was about two years of just freedom from that struggle. Freedom from that particular temptation in my life. And then I'm in the midst of Bible college. Bible college, of all places, holy ground. I'm reading the Bible every day. I'm thinking about scripture 24-7. If I'm not thinking about it, I'm trying to apply it. I mean, I am praying in the morning, reading my Bible for my quiet time, going to class, reading my Bible every day, talking about the Bible with people. And when I'm and in the midst of that, that sin, that temptation, that struggle that I had when I first became a Christian was worse than it was when I was first becoming a Christian. It was worse then than it had ever been. And you know what? I'm going to give you a little bit of detail as to what it was, just for the sake of understanding. And I won't get into any more detail than that. It was sexual sin. 
I had exposed myself to pornography for a long time. And I'm in the midst of Bible college of all places, and the images just keep running over and 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 over, and I can't stop it. I can't stop it. I try. I focused. I tried to focus on other things as long as I could. But there was a point when I, I wasn't focusing. I was, I was thinking about it again. And I hated it. I hated that so much. And I was with Paul right here. In chapter 7, verse 15, for what am I, what I am doing, I do not understand. What I will to do, that I do not practice. What I hate, that's what I do. Verse 18, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For the will is present in me. I did not want to do it anymore. I didn't want to think about that stuff. I didn't want to have those images running through my mind anymore. But how to perform what is good, I do not find for the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that's what I practice. But if I do what I will not to do, I want you to hear this. It's no longer I who do it. It's the sin that dwells in me. For I find a new law that evil is that present evil is with me. The one who wills to do good. That's good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Deep down inside of me, I want more than ever to be, to be living who I know I am in Christ. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am! Who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul says in the next verse, he says, I thank God. I hope I can get through this today. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I gotta tell you, what I was going through, that passage became so real right then. I mean, that was a real-time experience of Romans chapter 7. I mean, I was in the midst of the struggle. And you know what I started to wonder? I started to look at the struggle, and I started to define the struggle as my definition of maturity. You know what I said? Thank you very much. Excuse me, this is very attractive, I'm sure. This is great, huh? All right. All right. You know what I said about the struggle in that moment? 
You know what I started to wonder? I started to define the struggle like this. You know, in the midst of the struggle, I started to wonder, you know what? God, maybe I'm not as mature as I thought I was. Maybe I'm not as faithful of a Christian as I thought I was. God, if, 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 if I'm struggling with this, am I really freed from the power of this sin? If I was, why am I struggling so much with it? Worse yet, if I sinned, I was tempted to think that, you know what? I never went to this point, but... But maybe, maybe this Christianity thing really doesn't work. Maybe God's really not real. Worse yet, maybe, maybe I still believe in God, but maybe I'm not a Christian. I think that one of the biggest struggles with the struggle, if I can say it that way, is that as Christians, we often misinterpret the struggle and we think that the presence of the struggle is a mark of immaturity. That the presence of the struggle is a mark of unfaithfulness. That the presence of the struggle, and worse yet, if we sin, we'll start to keep a track record of that sin. And as we keep a track record of that sin, you know what we eventually start to do? We eventually start to wonder whether or not we actually are Christians at all. Worse yet, we might even get to the place where we start to actually question whether or not God is real and whether or not Christianity works. You know what? The struggle does say something about who you are. But here's the problem. All of those things that I just listed to you, if you are a Christian, those are lies. And the enemy wants you to believe those about you. The enemy wants you to believe that with the presence of struggle means that you are immature. The enemy wants you to believe that the presence of the struggle means you are unfaithful. The enemy wants you to believe that the presence of the struggle means that you are still bound to sin. But you know what? Those are all lies. You know what the struggle actually means? It means something completely different. It, for the Christian, the struggle is actually evidence that you are a Christian. Christian. The struggle, the struggle for the Christian, for the Christian is the very, is the very evidence, evidence that you are, that you are a, Christian. a Christian. See, see what, what, you're saying, but wait a minute, I, I don't want to struggle, and you're telling me that the struggle's bad. Well, no, if we go on in Romans 8 and you go to the last, like probably chapters, or verses rather, 21 to 25, we're not going to read them. But if you read them, what you're going to see is you're going to see that Paul talks about creation groaning for the freedom of the presence of sin. You see, it says that our bodies, we yearn for the moment when we're going to be freed from the presence of sin. And you know when God says that moment's going to be? At the redemption of our bodies. Guess what? That is not this life. You and I will always live in the presence of sin while we're here. If you're a Christian, yes, you are freed from the penalty of sin. Yes, you are freed from the power of sin, but you are not yet freed from the presence of sin. And so, your body yearns for it. You desire to be freed from the presence of sin. Paul is going to say, then you hope for that moment. But you do not define your experience in this moment as meaning that it's a mark of immaturity or a mark of unfaithfulness because, no, 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 no. What the struggle means is the struggle actually means you are a Christian. And you will one day be freed from the presence and you hope, look forward to, with expectation that that day is coming. But it is not today. 
Now, don't get me wrong, there's things we can do. There's things we can do with the struggle, and we're going to talk about that. There's things that we can do to minimize the effect of the struggle. Yes. There might be even years where you are freed from a particular struggle with sin, a particular temptation. There might be years of that. But please, do not mistakenly think that the fact that you're not struggling with, with this temptation right now means that, you, that that is the exact mark of how you become mature. And worse yet, when the struggle comes, this is really the big thing. When the struggle comes, please do not interpret that. Please do not believe the lies of the enemy that will say to you, well, because I'm struggling with this right now, it must mean I'm not mature and I'm not a Christian. No. Paul wants us to understand something completely different. Go with me to chapter 8, verse 1. Paul wants us to know this. For the Christian, the struggle is evidence that you are a Christian. Verse 1. There's therefore. Now, this is in the context. He's talking still about his personal struggle. His personal struggle. The Apostle Paul. Super mature. Super grown Christian. Present tense saying he's struggling. Present tense saying he's sinning. Maybe not in that moment. Maybe talking about an experience recently. But nevertheless, talking about his struggle with temptation. He says, he struggles. Apostle. So we're no apostles. Okay, just, just to drive home at the don't mark the struggle with maturity necessarily. Here we go. First one. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's rehearsing the truth. The struggle is evidence of who you are in, as a Christian. First and foremost, the struggle is evidence that you are freed from the penalty of sin. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of Spirit in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Here's another thing for us to remember. Yeah, we're freed from the penalty of sin. Yeah, we're freed from the power of sin, which is what Walt talked about last week. When you became a Christian, if you haven't, by the way, we'd love to help you. There's a communication card in the, in the pew, and come see one of us. We'd love to help you with that. But if you are a Christian, when you became a Christian, you became made alive to Christ. God made your spirit alive before you were dead to him. So when it came to temptation, you might kind of battle a little bit, but in the end, there's nothing inside of you that really has the capacity to fight it. But when you became a Christian, you became made alive to God. And the intensity to not want to continue to sin, and it went up and it intensified. But if that's all we remember is that we're free from the penalty of sin and freed from the power of sin, we're probably going to have Romans 7 experiences all the time. Paul wants us to know something else. Verse 2, he says, there's a new law at work in you. Remember, the old law was it condemned you. The law of, of Moses, it says that God is good, that he's holy, and that you should be holy too. And oh, you're not? Oh, that condemns you. But don't worry, Jesus took your condemnation. You're freed from the power. And then he said, I made you alive. Now you're freed, you're freed from the, not only the penalty, but the power of sin. And he said, oh, by the way, I'm going to help you actually do this thing, this little Christian life, this holy lift, holiness, this righteousness. He says there's a new law at work in you. What's the law? Yeah, it's a person. It's the spirit. There is a new law at work in you, and it is the spirit in you. When you became a Christian, not only did you come alive to God, you actually came alive to God because God's spirit united with your spirit. He came inside of you. He came to live inside of you, and he's been working inside of you, working from the inside out. And think about that for a moment. 
for verse 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. That's penalty stuff. On, accord, on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. He took our penalty that the righteous requirement of the law might be filled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Spirit is inside of you. The spirit is inside of you. Think about that. God's spirit. God's spirit who's holy. God's spirit who's blameless. God's spirit who hates sin is inside of you. Does that sound, I mean, if we really read on further, it's going to even say later in chapter 8, it's going to say that God is using all things to do what? To make us more like Jesus. To conform us to the image of Jesus. And that, that's like warfare conversation right there. That's like battle kind of stuff. The Spirit's inside of you. The Spirit wants you to experience the freedom from sin, the freedom of the struggle with sin. In the midst of the struggle, the freedom of it. And so because of that, he's battling with sin in you and around you. Does that not sound like a struggle? That's a struggle. See, but if we believe what the enemy says, we're going to take that, that struggle and we're going to think that it means we're immature and we're unfaithful and that when we give into sin, that it means that, that we must not, this Christian life must not work at all. But if we believe what God wants us to believe, we're going to believe that the struggle is actually evidence that we are, in fact, Christians. If we are Christians, it is evidence that we are just that, free from the penalty, free from the power, because the Spirit's inside of us. So, What's up with the struggle? The struggle is evidence that you are a Christian. If you're a Christian, it's the very evidence that you're a Christian. Now, if you're not a Christian, it's evidence that you are under the penalty and the power of sin. But for the Christian, you, if you're not a Christian, you don't really even understand what we're, what we're talking about right now. But if you are, you understand it very clearly. And it's evidence that you are a Christian. It's evidence. So, verse 6. For to be cardinally minded is death. Now that's to say to follow, to follow after your, your flesh. To follow after your efforts. To follow after, really, to be thinking in line with lies. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What do you do with the struggle? Well, we believe God. Struggle is evidence of our Christianity, but we, can, we need to break the cycle. We need to think after what God says. Remember, Walt said last week that Paul rejoiced when the, when, when, uh, the Romans believed from the heart that doctrine. And he gave us this, this idea of belief. You obey what you believe. And then we really kind of camped on this idea of belief. And the reason why we did is because belief affects thoughts. What we believe will affect what we think, and what we think will affect what we feel and do. And so, what do we do as a Christian? What do we do with the struggle? We need to make sure we're believing what God says so that we can break the thought patterns the way we think about our struggle. So, next time you struggle. Now, you might struggle, you might be in the midst of a struggle right now. I don't know what your struggle is. Remember, we're we are 
Our, our body is, is, is in the flesh, so our bodies are still inclined towards certain sins. We're still drawn towards certain um, sin in our members. There's sin all around us. And what you might struggle with, I might not. And there's certain circumstances that are going to draw you more to, to certain temptation than they would me. And you might face a moment where you're going to struggle this week. So rather than do what you've normally done, I'd like to propose to you to do this. In the moment that you realize you're struggling, stop. Stop what you're thinking. Repeat this. This means I'm alive. Say, I'm alive. I'm alive. You can do that again. I'm alive. In the moment of struggle, you say, I'm alive. God's with me. Say that. Remember, the Spirit's in you, right? Because I'm free to choose right. Say that. When the struggle comes, say, I'm alive. God's with me. Because I'm free to choose right. See, because we need to change what we believe so that we can change what we think. You know, in that moment, after you said that, you've stopped your thinking and you've realigned it. You know what you might need to do after that? Because the struggle's still there, probably. You need to say, I believe this. Say it. I believe this. Do you? Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. And keep saying it. How long? I don't know. But we need to fight in the power of the Spirit. Check this out. He goes on. But you, verse 9, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your model, through your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors. We are debtors, not to the flesh. It means we're not obligated to obey our, our desires. We don't have to obey what we feel in that moment. We don't have to obey the struggle. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit, by what it said in verse 6, it says to be spiritually minded, to believe the truth. So when the struggle comes, you say, I'm alive. God's, God's what? All right, we're going to start at the beginning because you guys, let's wake up here. When the struggle comes, you say, because, because, well, you're starting to get it. You're starting to get it. Let's do it one more time. When the struggle comes, God's, I'm, but what happens when you sin? Because here's an important, an important thing for you to remember. You live in the presence of sin. When are you going to be freed from the sin that dwells in you and around you? At the redemption of your body, which is not this life. So let me just up front, I'm not giving you a pass for sin because sin is wrong. Sin is bad. I mean, Paul's saying that it leads to what? Yeah. 
death. That's not good, not good. Paul is saying, listen, what you do in your body now, it doesn't just matter here. It matters forever. So I'm not saying it's okay to sin. And you know it's not okay to sin. I don't need to tell you that. That's why you have been beating yourself up for, for so long. So when you sin next, let me just say, you're gonna sin. So what you do with the sin, now that, that's important. So when you sin next, remember this. Say this. This doesn't define me. I'm alive. God's with me. I'm free to choose right. See, because here's the deal. Remember what Paul said in Romans 7. This is the truth. See, in Romans 7, Paul said, now I see a new law in me. That is, deep down inside of me, I am actually alive to God. God's spirit's in me and waging war, taking ground from the enemy. But, but in my members, there's sin. And so when I sin, that is not me who does it, but it's the sin that's in me. Do you understand that deep down inside, you are exactly who you're supposed to be. You're holy, you're perfect, you're righteous. You are the kind of, you are the very person that God intended you to be. And he is at work bringing that out in your life. And there is going to be one day coming at the redemption of your body when the full experience, full expression of that is going to happen. And right now, you and I hope for that. And right now, when you sin, you need to respond with truth. You need to believe so you will obey. We need to believe what God says about the struggle so then we will act on it. And so, when you sin, say this. What did I tell you to say? This doesn't define me. When you sin, this doesn't define me. Say it. This doesn't define me. Why? And God's because what? I know. But it's so important that we break our thought patterns and we start to believe the truth. You know, I do want to tell you this. You're like, oh, gosh, Jeff, you're telling me that the struggle is going to be all my life. Well, I'm saying that not, not so much. I mean, there, if you really understand the struggle, then you're going to understand who you are. You're going to understand you're a Christian. You are going to understand you're freed from the penalty and power of sin. You're going to understand the Spirit of God is in you. You're going to understand that you're not condemned, that you are free to choose right. You're going to understand that not only are you free to do it, but the power of God is in you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. And you're going to start to be able to think differently about temptation and about sin. And you might do what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 22. You might recognize there's certain things that I am drawn to that I just need to avoid at all costs. So when the temptation comes, I get the heck out of there. I flee. You might understand what Paul told the Corinthian church in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And he says, he said, listen, listen, no temptation has overtaken you but such is common to man. There is no temptation that's any different that you're struggling with than somebody else in this world has already struggled with because their sin, they have sin in their members and so do you and there's sin all over and so they're drawn to sin just like you're drawn to sin. That's the way it is. But God is faithful, and he will give you the way of escape. And so maybe you got to start thinking about ways which you have not just fallen to sin, but do you have a history of where you've actually dealt with temptation and not given into that sin? Not sinned? Guess what? 
That's evidence of the Spirit of God at work in your life. Maybe you need to look about at that moment and say, wow, what was different about that moment? I think I'm going to follow God, follow the Spirit as he leads me there. Verse 14, listen to this. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. That's who you are. If, you're, if you are a, uh, a Christian, you are led by the Spirit of God. And it goes on and it says some sweet things. It says something like this in verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. That's who you are. And, you're not, and, and the struggle doesn't mean you need to be afraid. The struggle doesn't mean that you need to be afraid that you're going to sin. The struggle means you need to believe God. I'm alive. God's with me because I can choose right. And when you sin, because you just might, you might not even realize, you might even realize that you were struggling and you sinned. In that moment, that's not your moment to get all guilty before God and to get all guilty about your sin. No, no, no. You agree with God. It's sin. And you say, this does not define me. God's with me and I'm free to choose right. See, because in that, you've already agreed with God that it's wrong. In that, you've already confessed because confession is agreeing with God that it is wrong, that it's sin. What it is is what it is. But you are not defined by your sin as a Christian. You're defined by who you are. Holy, righteous, blameless, pure. You know, I, can all, I also want to leave you with this and then we're going to move on. I'm going to give you some hope. I'm going to rehearse the hope with you. Verses 18 through 25. Verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who suggested it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered, will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Creation is not what it's supposed to be. Creation has been cursed with sin. And then it goes on, it says, For we know the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Creation is looking forward to the day when the presence of sin is gone. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. It's hope. And Paul says this, but hope that is seen is not hope. See, if you were free from the struggle right now, you wouldn't hope to be freed from the presence of sin in the future. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Here's something that I think you can persevere on. In the midst of struggle, Paul said in verse 6 of the chapter, he said, for the mind that's set on the spirit is what? Life and peace. You want life and peace in the midst of your struggle? You want life and peace in this life? It's available. And you know what also is right here in these verses that I just shared with you? I think that in the midst of struggle, not only is there life and peace available, but there's glory and beauty. Beauty. Beauty like, a cre- like creation. You know, like a sunset. There's nothing like the beauty of a sunset or a sunrise. Not many guys actually have climbed up to a mountain. 
I did this, it was a really small mountain, you know, because like a mile and a half, because I, I didn't want to wake up as early as I would have to wake up to actually get up to the top of the mountain to see the sunrise. So I did this little one that only takes like 15 minutes, and I booked it in like five, and I about had a heart attack. But I got up to the top, and when I got up to the top, I got to see something like that. And then mine wasn't as foggy, but it was kind of crazy cool because there was a lake just beyond the tree line, and it was full of fog in the morning. And I tell you what, as the sun rose, it rose right beyond the peak across the way. And as it rose across that peak, all of these oranges and purples just flooded that fog. And you know what? For a moment, I thought it was like in the sky, like flying. If I didn't, if I just kind of just forgot that I was on ground and just looked, it was just this beautiful moment. And I tell you what, to get up that thing, I just about had a heart attack. Let me tell you, that was a struggle. But at the top of that mountain, there was life, beauty, there was peace. You know what? There's one other thing I'm going to share with you that I think is one of the most beautiful pictures of, of life and peace and beauty. You can go to the next slide, guys. A baby. Think about this. Now, my wife, we just had our, our, um, our baby shower yesterday. Thank you all that came and for all the gifts. I don't have any place to, to sleep in my house, but that's okay. <laughs> I have not had this experience yet, and I have to be honest that I am looking towards this experience with much fear and trepidation. I am believing God that he has told me that I have not, he has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of adoption. Because I look at the coming moment, and I say, Whoa, this is pretty frightening. I tell you what, to be present in the moment of a childbirth, that is frightening. <laughs> I am very afraid of that moment. I, I'm just being honest. Like, I've been telling my wife, babe, make sure you've got plenty of people there for you because I'm not going to be there. Like, I just got to be honest. Okay, full confession, hold me accountable. I'm going. I am afraid. Because isn't that going to be just a ah, struggle? It's going to be crazy. I don't want to see it. But I do. Because, because, in the moment of the struggle, it's going to be amazing. There's going to be life coming into the world. And in the moment of a struggle, there is beauty. Life. I'm going to be tangible in that moment. I'm going to feel it as I pick up that baby. And I tell you what, I know it even though I haven't experienced it. And I know because I've heard it from those of you who have. When I hold that baby boy for the first time, Judah, peace is going to flood my heart. See, the enemy wants you to believe that the struggle means that you are immature and you are unfaithful. That when you sin, you know what? Maybe you aren't even a Christian at all. Maybe, maybe this Christianity thing doesn't even work and God isn't real. But if you are a Christian, the struggle actually is evidence. You are a Christian. So when the struggle comes, we need to obey what we believe. But we need to make sure what we believe is the truth so then we can act on it. When the struggle comes, you're going to say, I'm alive. You're going to stop what you're thinking and say, I'm alive. God's with me because I'm free to choose right. The guy, the band is going to come up here now, and as they come up, they're going to sing the song that they sang last week for us. And I'm going to come down and just kind of introduce it real quick. 
as they come up. What I want you to understand about the struggle, I hope that this song really communicates it well. You're not going to sing it, although if you get to a point where you feel like you want to, that's fine. What I want you to do is I just want you to stop and let the truth of this start to reshape your thinking. When it gets to the chorus, I want you to understand this. The chorus says this. It says, hallelujah. We are free to struggle. And that's the truth. Because we're not struggling to be free. You are freed from the struggle. In the sense that you are freed from the power and the penalty and the Spirit of God is in you. And so therefore the struggle is evidence that you are in fact a Christian. It's why you struggle. Because you are a Christian. And so you're free to battle with the power of the Spirit. And it goes on and says, Your blood bought and makes us children. So children, drop your chains and sing. Yeah. And that's what we get the freedom to do.